0: Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Go and Be, Part 2, A People Who Go, recorded Sunday, April 30th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. There's a good guy and he is running through the forest as fast as he can, trying to get away from the bad guy. And he's not doing anything dumb. He's not hiding in a, in a shed full of chainsaws or, you know, not getting into a running car or anything like that. He's just running top speed. Then the camera switches to the bad guy who's just walking. But somehow he's gaining ground on the good guy. Yeah, You can't guess what movie that is because it seems like it's most of them, right? If it's, a, if it's a thriller or a suspense movie, you have that scene where, where the slow walker is just catching up with the good guy and he's about to meet his ultimate doom. And we're, if we're living in that kind of a mindset, especially when it comes to our spiritual life, that you're just trying to flee something... It gets us in a bad spot. Brendan talked last week, and he used this line. He said this line, not a story of evacuation, rather one of restoration. And when he said that, the, the hairs on my arm just kind of stood on end and tingled a little bit because it spoke to my earlier years of following Jesus, that I was living in that escapism rather than this restoration process. And maybe you had that realization, that moment last week as well. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to listen to Brendan, I'd I'd suggest you go back and find it on our website or our Facebook page and listen to his sermon. Uh, We tease each other around here a lot during the week, and uh, this week Taylor said, well, Dan, Brendan taught the whole Bible in 20 minutes. Good luck. And so uh, uh, we're not going to go through the whole Bible again today. We're going to focus in on some very specific moments in it. And it will be a little longer than 20 minutes. So, uh, in, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy, Paul's writing to his understudy. The man that he has raised up in the faith and in the ministry. And he says some really important words to him. And he's telling him there's something to run toward. And so it says, uh, starting in verse 11, it says, So yes, run from all those evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith and hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. You see, the good news is that God doesn't just call us to run away from things. He gives us things to run toward. He, he gives us something to strive for, something to, to go with, something to pursue in a better way. Simply put, those who are rescued play a role in rescuing others. See, we're a people who are called throughout the Bible to be a people who go. Matthew wrote about, quoted Jesus in chapter 28 of Matthew, and, and we call this the Great Commission, and it's one of Jesus' last moments with his followers, and he says, then Jesus, it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And he wants to make sure that they didn't miss that. So a few days later, he gives them a very similar command in Acts chapter one, verse eight, where he says, "And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And if you know geography a little bit, there it, it starts right where you are, and then it gets a little bit further away, and a little bit further away, and it goes to the ends of the earth. We are to be his witnesses. See, Jesus, after living out the example uh, of a really good life, he instructs his followers and us to run toward the opportunity to simply share what we've discovered. And we do this a lot in our lives. We share things that are important to us. We share when there's a new restaurant in town that you've tried. You know, we share when there's a movie that you saw that was a lot of fun. Uh, I've had so many friends tell me, you need to binge watch this series because it just brought a lot of joy to their life. And so we do that in a lot of areas, uh, and, and we, we, we like to share good things. And sometimes we hear a verse like those verses from Jesus, and, and, and what goes through our mind is, does this mean that I need to be a missionary? This word, go do I need to be a missionary? We're going to meet and pray for uh, Randy Brooks today. Randy and his wife, Mickey, heard a call to go onto the mission field 27 years ago, uh, and they followed that call. And it's exciting to have them here and to hear about the way that they are planting churches and working with people in a very post-Christian society, that they are Trumpeting, they're shouting the good news of Jesus, and they want the people that they care about to understand Jesus and what He brings to us. And maybe you're all on board with cheering our missionaries like that, but you haven't heard that call yourself to go overseas. And so you think, well, those verses don't really apply to me. I'll just kind of, you know, I'll I'll, kind of scroll my phone during the sermon and pay attention next week. But see, these verses apply to all of us. They don't just apply to Randy and to the people who have moved their family thousands of miles away. They apply to us. And it really doesn't help that uh, a lot of theologians want to debate on that great commission. When Jesus says go, some of them say it just means go, right? All people go. And then some theologians want to say, well, if you go back to the original Greek, uh, what it's really saying is as you go. And so wherever you go, as you go, you know, do this. But when we argue about that, what we miss is the more important statement in there, which is make disciples. You see, every person in this room, every person watching online today, we've been called to make disciples. Once we learn about Jesus, we share Jesus with the people around us. See, whether we're called to the mission field or not, all of us are called to be maybe not missionaries, but we're called to be missional. Uh, Author Alan Hirsch defines missional as a community of God's people that defines and organizes its life around the real purpose of being an agent of God's mission. And so your mission field may not be New Zealand or some other country. It might be your neighborhood. It might be your office place. It might be wherever you are. You're on mission in the schools or in a family business or Uh, you work in healthcare. you're a realtor, Uh, you work at Chief, or if you're in Broken Bow, you, you work at BD, all these different places that employ a lot of people. Maybe you're home raising a family or you're in your retirement years. Your work is not done and it's not limited to the duties that you have in those places. You're called to be light to our world. See, being missional means that you see your story and purpose within God's bigger story and purpose. And the word go throughout all of God's story has meant God's people living out God's purpose to communicate God's love to as many people as possible. And that's how we're called to live today as well. See, Paul doubles down on this idea when he writes a letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter five. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. Now you've heard of an ambassador. You've seen them on the news. They represent or speak for someone more important than themselves. They live their lives uh, on site with people, uh, working with them and telling them what the king or the kingdom would want them to hear, or the the president would want them to hear. It's a position of great honor, but it's also a position of great responsibility, and it's exactly what Paul wants us to hear about our lives. See, an ambassador spends time with their leader— And they spend time, most likely, with other ambassadors. But if they aren't out with the people they're called to be an ambassador to, they're not really an ambassador. If they're not intentional with their time, intentional with their words, intentional with their actions, with the people that they're living around, they probably shouldn't be called an ambassador. And so just like any ambassador, just like the early church, there are times when we're together and there's times when we go I I would call that the gathered and scattered church. And I'm going to dive a little bit into that uh, with you this morning. So we're first called to be a church that is gathered. Uh, And we would call that come and see. And it's a great thing. I love Sunday mornings here. Uh, I love our small group on Monday nights. Uh, I love it being here on a Wednesday night to watch middle schoolers and high schoolers and younger kids be here learning about Jesus together. I love it. I love the time in between services in the plaza. Even though I'm keeping you from getting to your car so we open up more parking spots for more people, I love it. When the people of God are together encouraging each other, worshiping together, learning together, all of those things, it's the gathered church and it's beautiful. I love it on the weeks when we have to put this slide up on our screens to tell you, hey, if if you don't mind, scoot together a little bit. Because it means more people are trying to come in the door and maybe they're coming in the door because they got invited by someone who's already here. I love it, I love it, I love it. See, the church is meant to be together, and we see that in Acts chapter two. We see a church that was devoted to teaching and fellowship and prayer and meals, and they would strive for that on a daily basis. And we ought to as well. Jesus exemplified it with his disciples during their three years together where they would go out on mission, but then Jesus knew there were times when they needed to go off together. Uh, and pray together, and encourage each other, and listen to stories of ministry from each other. And we need to be a church that is like that. And, you know, Brendan kind of got the ball rolling last week on these these Marvel extras, and I don't know if you're the person like me that you sit through any movie, uh, through the credits, hoping that there will be some kind of little 60 second extra and 90% of the time you're disappointed and walking out of a dark theater because there was no extra but my favorite Marvel extra is at the end of the Avengers when they've just you know saved the world again and they're all sitting in this swarma diner and in the 60 seconds of that extra there's not a second where they're talking to each other there's not a word said they're just eating their food they're damaged. They're banged up. They're broken. They're hurt, and they're relieved. Uh, I don't know if you look at this close up, Brendan. I mean, he—he he really is a big Marvel guy, isn't he? And so uh, he made fun of me last week a little bit, and just need to make sure he knows that that comes back at you. And so, <laughs> see, the potential problem with being a gathered church is that Jesus calls us his believers calls us the light of the world. And if all we do is gather together and we have all these lights sitting in one room, it maybe is really bright in that room. But it keeps the light from getting to dark places in our world. And so church, like we love this, but we know that we have a duty to go outside the doors of this building and to take what we are learning other places you know, a few months ago, maybe, maybe you haven't heard this, but Nebraska hired a new football coach, right? And then he hired his assistant coach, uh, all of his coaches, and one of them was in an interview, and, and, and he made grown men emotional when he said, we're going to bring back the huddle. And we all looked at each other, I think there were, there were embraces, we're like high-fiving, like, yeah, the huddle's coming back. Well, Francis Chan talks about something that would be a disaster with the huddle, in his series, Forgotten God. And he says, imagine if you went to a football game and you're sitting in the bleachers and the offense comes onto the field and they gather in a huddle and it's a perfect huddle. The, the quarterback's looking at the team and he's calling the play exactly the way it's supposed to go. And, and the linemen are nodding their heads. They're, they're confident about what their role is and, and what they're going to do as a team. And so they break huddle and then they run to the sideline." And the clock runs out, and so the referee throws a flag. It's a five-yard delay of game. And so the team, they run back onto the field, and they huddle up, and they do the same thing over and over and over again. Too often, I think it's true that the church is sometimes like that. We huddle up together on Sundays, on Wednesdays, and we run a play, or we, we call a play, but we don't go out and run the play and and Third City, we're called to run the play. We're called to be out there with people and and to talk about the things that are bringing hope to our life. And so, so if we call the gathered church come and see, then the scattered church ought to be called go and be. You see, we gather at 4100 West 13th or at 831 Buffalo Run Road in Broken Bow, or we gather online or in homes and all of that's great, but what if we really started to take seriously the role that we have to play in our workplaces, and our neighborhoods, and the places that we go for games? What if we really started to take seriously the map that you, you all stuck pins in a few months ago, and it showed that our church is much bigger than two buildings, our church is everywhere where you go. Our church is everywhere where one of Third City's people is out there in that mindset of, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run the play. You see, I'm certain that there is someone in your life who is ready to be invited to the gathered church. And all it would take is an invitation. But I'll tell you, I'm even more certain that there is someone in your life, someone in your office, someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood who's desperate for a representative of the scattered church to bring the church to them to spend time with them. Maybe they're not ready to be here. And maybe they have some church hurt from the past. And maybe they just don't feel like they're quite ready to wake up on Sunday mornings. But they're ready to be around you. They're ready to have someone bring the play to them. In his teaching, Jesus narrowed all of the Old Testament law into two statements. Love God and love people. And so, I want to talk about those two things and how we can do those two things in two different ways. First, we've, we love God and people with our actions. You see, the church needs to be at its best when the world is at its worst. And we live in a world that's often at its worst. Uh, we're a divided world, we're a, a world that's in the midst of all kinds of different crises, there's storms real and figurative, hitting our world. Uh, There are uh, moments when people just hate each other and they don't even know each other. There's war. There's all kinds of things in our world. And we're called to be a church that goes into all of that with our actions. After Hurricane Katrina, I got to take two groups of college students. Uh, The first one, we went about six weeks after the storm to the Mississippi coast, and then a few months later, we took a group of students to New Orleans over spring break, and all we did during those two trips was tear out moldy drywall, pick up debris, and hug people who were hurting. But I heard two statements that have stuck with me since then. The first one uh, was from a local who said, you know, everyone came, the government was here, FEMA was here. Salvation Army was here. The Red Cross was here. Lots of people were here. But the church is still here. And it was true. In, in Mississippi, we stayed in this, this church that was close to the coast, and, and, and the walls were literally flattened. But the pews were still there. And so we set up tents and we slept on pews. And uh, during the day, we would go out and serve. And I'll just tell you this, I hope that that statement, the church, is still there, that we'll continue to hear things like that said when we're fighting injustice or after the storms of this world hit in the midst of a hunger crisis locally and globally or when children are in need of a bed or a home. One of the most exciting things about this last week for me was hearing that About 20 families have signed up to help with foster care. It's an eternal potential difference maker. And it's not too late. If you want to sign up for that, we'll help you do that. There are kids in our community who need a home. Who better to give that home than the followers of Jesus? And so we want to challenge you to everyone serve one. And if you need a little help with that, if you need a little help to get started, you're like, I don't think I can foster care right now. We have an opportunity coming up on May 21st where it's a third city serve day at Hope Harbor. Uh, we're just going to be doing all kinds of things. It's, a, it's a, a shelter for women and families that we support as a church. And we can support them in, in ways greater than finances by being there and helping to take care of their facilities, painting, doing yard work, loving people who have found themselves unexpectedly in, on, on the doorstep of homelessness. And it's a great opportunity for your small group to serve together. And I'll just tell you this, if you're not in a small group, we'd love to address that as well. We would love to get you into a group because that's how we want to go forward as small groups who grow together, but also small groups that look for those opportunities to serve together several times a year. And so maybe you'll sign up for that as a group. Maybe you'll get in a group. Maybe it's that time for you. Second, we love God and people with our words. Maybe you've heard this quote from, uh, it's been attributed to St. Francis. No one really knows who said it, but, but someone said, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. And some people have taken that quote and they've twisted it a little bit and they've said, if necessary, use words. The quote ought to say, when necessary, use words. Because if we love people in the way that we've just talked about, I promise you there will be a moment when you are asked about the hope that you have. What's the reason for the hope that you have? There will be a moment when words are necessary, desired, desired, And needed. So the second challenge is that everyone would reach one. See, in Luke 5, we read about the calling of a man named Levi. He's also called Matthew. Uh, Just so you know, like he is despised, he's a tax collector. He has turned his back on the Israelites, on the Jewish people, and he is now overcharging them for taxes. And he's gotten rich off of the practice. And so he's there one day in the crowd. And it says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Jesus said to him, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. That might be you. Maybe that was you and, and you just got up from something that wasn't God honoring. And you followed when the invitation was there. Goes on to say, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And the Pharisees saw this, and they were pretty ticked off. And they said, why would, why would you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the trick of that statement is he's talking about us, he's talking about them, he's talking about every human who has walked the face of the earth, that we are the ones in need of a doctor. We are the ones who are not righteous, just like Matthew. And I've got to imagine there were some pretty awkward moments when Matthew walked up to his fellow tax collectors and said, hey, you should come meet meet this Jewish rabbi. And they said, I should what? Right, like, nope, I don't think I'm doing that today. But they saw something in his life. They saw a glimmer of hope, and so they accepted the invitation. Matthew, the despised tax collector, understood something that so many of you have understood, and all of us need to understand. Once you know, you go. And if you don't remember anything else from today, remember that. Once you know, you go. Matthew's the poster child for people who could think that they're not qualified. They don't have it together enough. Some, you know, some of those, some of those people looked at him like, you're telling me about God? But something was happening in his life and he just had to tell his friends about it. There was a lot that he couldn't explain, but he loved his friends enough to say, you've got to meet this man. So please don't miss this. Matthew went on to spend his entire life, it's believed that he was martyred for his faith, spent his entire life serving and building the church. But he started that day. There's a whole bunch of you. I was going to say 75, but now I would say 77 over the last few weeks who have made a decision to follow Jesus with everything. It starts now. You don't have to wait until you're ready. There's a phrase I say almost every time I'm up here, all it takes to lead another person is to be one step ahead of them. And I want to give you this too. It's not called the great mission. It's called the great commission. You're not in this alone your actions, your words. There's a God who stands in that with you. And there's a person in your life who needs to know about the hope that you've found. Mark Moore says this. He says, the great commission is simple. Walk with people as you walk with Jesus, and before long, they'll meet each other. church, we can do this. Our cities, our towns need us to do this, even if they don't recognize it yet, because God's people living out God's purpose to communicate God's love to as many people as possible needs us to go. I'll just tell you, that's something worth running to And we take this moment every week where we take a little piece of bread and a cup of juice and, and where we're reminded that we're known, we're valued, and we're loved by a Savior. And as a result of that, by God. And I pray this morning as we take that together, you'll just hear that word whispered. God, we thank you for Jesus and for the sacrifice that he made so that we can know you, so that we can be in a relationship with you. And that's not something for us to keep to ourselves. It's a day of good news. How dare we keep it to ourselves? Send us. Send us as light to people who need to know of the hope and the healing and the love unlimited that we have found. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All morning we've been talking about what it means to go. And one of the most basic and most powerful ways that God invites us into his mission is prayer. And so I want to challenge you. If you missed last week and you didn't get a prayer box, please pick one up. These prayer boxes were made by some of our partners in Kenya. And they're full of just different opportunities to be praying for our partners. And the amazing thing that happens when we pray is that something changes in us. And that's, I think, you know, God designed that on purpose. Because when we talk to him, our hearts become more like his heart's his heart, and um, I think he's inviting us into that. And all the research shows that whenever there's a great movement of God, there has always been a great movement of prayer that precedes it. And so I want to challenge us to be a church that is praying, because this is God's mission. It always has been. It always will be. But he is inviting us in. And so if you don't know what it means to go, start by just praying. And I guarantee you that God will start to show you where he's asking you to go. And so we are excited because we have one of our partners here with us from New Zealand. This is Randy Brooks. And Randy, we're just so excited to have you here. And I wanted to ask if you just to share a little bit about what you're doing and what you and Mickey have been doing for so long and so faithfully.
2: Well, kia ora, everyone. Kia ora koto katoa is how you'd be greeted in New Zealand. It just means hello everyone and uh, so good day uh, as Rachel said my wife Mickey and I we live in Auckland New Zealand and we've been there for a long time now we first went in 1997 with our two-month-old baby and so he's 26 this year and so that's how I keep track of how long I've been in New Zealand um, now some of you may not even know where New Zealand is but it's way down at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean down by Australia um, on the map, it doesn't look like they're very far away, but it's actually a 1,000 miles from Australia, right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, but if you do know about New Zealand, you usually know about New Zealand because of the movies like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. Any Lord of the Rings fans here this morning? I'm sure there are, yep, yep. So if you want to see Hobbiton, you need to come to New Zealand. So. Um, But what people don't know about New Zealand is it's also one of the most unchurched and secular nations in the world. And they're about 95% unchurched, so only about 5% of the people go to any kind of church. And uh, so it's a lot like Europe, where we think about Europe being post-Christian. New Zealand is post-Christian, meaning that they think that they've moved beyond the need for God. So most people don't know anything about Christianity if you meet them on the street. Or if they do, they've learned about the church or Christianity through the media. And that's always negative of course so our main focus in New Zealand is plant new churches and to reach people for Christ and make disciples out of them and uh, so today's message really connects with me in a deep and personal way Um, when I was a young man about 21 years old I prayed a prayer to God I said Lord I want to live for you I want to do your will and I'm willing to go wherever it is you want me to go Um, unbeknownst to me God would call my wife and I to New Zealand, of all places. And so we felt the call there back then, and we still believe that's where God wants us to be today. Um, I wanted to share with you a verse from the Bible, but one of the things I've been doing over the last few years is learning te reo Maori. And the Maori people are the indigenous people of New Zealand, and their language is uh, te reo. And uh, so I want to read Romans chapter 10, verse 14, out, uh, I'll, I'll say it in Te reo and then I'll read it in English. It Says this: Na mea pehea tarato karanga kiaia, kite kahore i fakapono kiaia. Me pehea hoki tarato rato capono kiaia, kite kahore i rongo kiaia. Me pehea hoki e rongo ai, kite kahore he kai. And what it says in English is this. But how can they call on him if they have not put their trust in him? And how can they put their trust in him if they have not heard him? And how can they hear him unless someone tells them? I love that verse. As Dan preached this morning, someone needs to go. And maybe today God's calling you to do that. So I'll be out front in the foyer to talk more if you want to learn more about New Zealand or the ministry that we're doing. But thank you.
1: Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Would you join me in just praying for Randy and for Mickey and all they're doing? God, we are grateful uh, just for the way that you are moving in this world. God, this is your world, and you—you um, you are God and you know exactly what New Zealand needs, Lord. You know um, that there are people who need to know who you are. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing over Randy and Mickey and their ministry, over the pastors that they're working with, the training that they're doing there, the church plants that have been so faithful for 26 years, Lord. Um, We just pray that you would infuse them with your spirit, your mission, Um, and God, that, that they would come to see the fruit of their work and your work. Lord, we are so grateful for our partners. We're so grateful that we get to be inspired by so many amazing people doing your work around this world, and we say amen in your name.
0: Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10:15, or 11:30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10:15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send an email to podcast at Call us
2: at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.